Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. If you noticed our last show, we changed the beginning of it a little bit, and I want to continue in that same vein. Today, we're going to be joined by my guy, Scott Frank. He is a friend. He is a good friend. We had a great time last time we seen each other, had a few adult beverages, and had a great conversation. I was out in St. Louis last year at the XYPN Live conference. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be here. And so, you know, like I told you when we actually met in person the first time, I said, you always got to watch those guys that have two first names. Yeah, that's right. And I have three. So you really have to watch me. I think you said that. I think you said that. (laughs) We met in real life for the first time. So, but Scott, like I said, is a really good friend. He is a CFP, CFA, and a RLP, which is registered life planner. He spent a lot of time studying, you know, different aspects of finance. And then I love that to get the real technical aspect, which is the CFA, which is, you know, that's really technical designation. And then to turn around and get the registered life planner where you really, you know, connect the human element to the planning. I'm excited to have you on. And if you don't mind telling the guests a little bit about yourself before we jump into the interview. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I started my own firm, you know, Emily and I know each other from XY Planning Network, where people go launch registered investment advisory firms. And that's how we met. I started my firm about five years ago. Before I started it, I did focus a lot on technical knowledge. Like you pointed out, I got a couple designations, certified financial planner. I think anyone who you work with as an advisor should hopefully have a CFP or at least have that knowledge. It's a way to know they have it as if they have those letters. Yeah. Uh, the CFA was this, that's kind of a foot wide and a mile deep, right? That's all investments all the time. That's really geeky stuff right there. But I got all that. I went and started my firm. And as I had it, you know, I started helping clients. And one of the things I realized was clients wouldn't necessarily follow through on all the recommendations we would give them. And I wanted to know why, you know, and a part of me thought, mm, they're just a bad client. Yeah. But Emlyn's shaking his head right now because like he knows what that feels like. But what happened was I realized there was a shift for me when I realized like, nope, I haven't helped my clients see what's truly important to them. What is essential to them? Because if we know what's essential, we will go do the work. And that's where my quest for, you know, the human side of finance has really come in over the last few years. It's been fun because I, I get to hear you, you know, on other podcasts, you know, speaking to you and just hearing other things, you know, whatever, if it's a Twitter post or wherever I see stuff that you post and you just have some very, very deep, meaningful insight about, you know, the human element of the financial planning piece. And, you know, as I listen to you speak about how to connect and find out what the real why is or what's mm-hmm. the driving force to why people won't take the advice or won't act on the advice that they have, even mm-hmm. though they know that they need to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that element of what you're doing and what we all should be trying to do, it's not only related to financial life. You know, I think that it just yep. plays in, you know, just having that real meaningful life conversation. And I think that there's a real disconnect between people taking a step back and really thinking what this really means. 
yeah. and working on their relationship with their money, which I think is one of the most important relationships outside of, you know, your marriage or partnership that you're going to have. But you do have a relationship with money and it's going to be a long standing relationship. Hopefully we just want to make sure that it's the right type of relationship. Fully agree. You know, the way that I think of it, when we work with clients, clients have four things that they can invest in in their lives. They come to us thinking about money. That's why they're here. And money is a tool, but money, it's not to be admired, right? It's to be used. But the key is we need to get big picture and we need to look at the four resources that clients have. They have money, but they also have time. They have their energy and they have their talent. And so the key is let's look at what's essential to you. And a song, like, you know, the interesting thing is we are drawn as a society when we go watch a movie or we go watch or we read an amazing book, or we hear an amazing piece of music, and we're moved by it. There's a commonality in humanity and all of these things that we're driven by. But what it almost always comes down to is someone is on a journey, and they have some type of an issue they run into, and how do they get over that journey? And so I view our job as advisors as we're the guide, and our clients are the heroes. And we don't know what the best version of their life is. And the interesting thing is is that most of us don't pay attention to what the best version of our life is, right? We spend a lot of time focused on what we're doing in life today and what we should do next. And we don't really ever step back. And one of the songs that I love when I think about this is the song by Tim McGraw, Live Like You're Dying, right? If you've ever heard that one, I'm going country on you right now. (laughs) I can't say I've heard. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Never (laughs) heard that ever. You on your Harley next time. You listen to that in the country space and you'll be like, man, I'm living like I'm dying right now. (laughs) Cruising down this desert road. I'm living my life to the fullest. Absolutely. The point of it is, is that we all could take a moment to step back and look at if time was, what would I miss? Who did I not get to be? What did I not get to do? And let's take a moment to focus on those things and put the first things first. And let's look at those four categories of money, time, energy, and talent and look at how to optimize those so that you do get to live your best life. So like I view our job as an advisor is money is important, but it's not the thing. The thing is the life clients get to live. Money is in support of that. I couldn't agree more with that. You know, you've heard the money is a horrible master, but a wonderful slave. And I think that when you come from a position of scarcity, and especially when I'm talking to some of the clients that I work with, you know, I'm working with a lot of minority clients who will have some, you know, some money taboos, some money scripts, some money past histories Mm -hmm. and things about money that they just didn't learn. And so when you come into, you know, life planning, financial planning, and you come with an element of scarcity or Mm -hmm. lack or, you know, fear of the unknown and... Mm -hmm you know, we unpack all of these emotions that are tied to money, which people don't think they do, but, you know, say something about money and look at the reaction you get. It's not a response, it's a reaction. And anytime someone reacts to something, I always like to use the medical term, like if you are prescribed the medication and you react to it, that's not good. (laughs) Your body should respond to the medication. So I think what we're really, you know, trying to do is take people from the response with money instead of a reaction to money and Mm -hmm. all the elements that are into that. So talk a little bit about the untapped potential and why you feel everyone has that. Yeah. I mean, I just view it as when a client comes into work with me, you know, I kind of gets back to that hero guide mentality, right? So I used to think when I first started and I just had my credentials, I used to think like, oh, you're coming in. Tell me why you're here. I'll solve all your problems for you. Right. And that was it. It was really simple. And then whether or not they did it was up to them. And what I realized was that's a horrible way to go about this. If instead we come and sit down and we imagine for a moment that every couple or family that comes in is a blank canvas 
And we're going to spend a little bit of time focused on if you step back for a moment, you think about what you truly want in your life. Let's draw that picture. And then we're going to use those resources of time, money, energy, and talent. I almost always guarantee you that someone is not fully optimizing those resources yet. Mm-hmm. Every time. There's also something else that's going on. So if you've ever read Daniel Kahneman, the behavioral economist, he wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Hmm. No, I haven't read that. So that talks about two systems in your brain. There's system one and system two, right? System one is your unconscious brain. It's the one that makes my hands move right now as we're talking, right? It's the one where if I say, what's two plus two, you know it's four. You don't even have to think about it, right? There's not complex thought there. It's just happening. 98% of the time, we use our unconscious brain. 2% of the time, we use our neural cortex, the one that we think with, the one that we're like really focusing with. Here's the thing. Our subconscious brain doesn't process language. Thinking is instantaneous. It's an electrical impulse. Everything else that happens to us in life is a chemical process or an emotion or a feeling, right? And so what we realize is is that there's this life going on where we've built up all of these things. Like you mentioned scarcity for some people. That's an unconscious thing that's happening for them. There's all these things that are happening in the background. I think of it like the old six-disc CD changers we used to have in the 90s. Yep. Remember, like with Napster, we'd go make our own playlists before yep. iTunes. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You have this whole system of playlists already built in, and they're running, and you don't even think about them. And so that's how we live life. And instead, what we want to do is let's take a moment to go look at how we want to rearrange those playlists and how we want to think about things. And in a way, kind of help reprogram ourselves so that we can live into more of who we actually should be. I like that. And I think about it as almost like downloading, right? If you got a CD and you're using a disc changer, you haven't downloaded any new information in a long time. And I think we can use that CD player almost like the old money scripts and the old ideas and the old things that you think you need to know are downloaded in your system. And we need to download some new things. I think that would work. Yeah. Different ways to look at it too, right? Because like getting someone to shift their conviction or their beliefs, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what the belief is. It could mm-hmm. be from spirituality. It could be from money. It could be from politics. It could be from how their family operates. If you try to go tell someone that they should do it differently, that doesn't work very well. If instead you can help them focus on the result that they want and help them figure out how to make the change, much more likely to happen. Yeah. And so that's really the work that we do with clients is we look at where do you want to go? What do you have now? And what are your available resources? What are the steps we can take to get you there as quickly as possible and help you put your first things first rather than living someone else's life or society's life or what your parents think you should do or, you know. That makes sense. I like that. And you just have a different, like, I just like the different approach that you have having like unpacking this stuff, like even, you know, I'm not trying to change what they believe. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just adding a little bit or giving you a little more to think about. What I learned, you know, my technical advice, when I just had that, I thought I was the hero, right? My job was to solve people's problems. Mm -hmm. When I instead realized that if I take that and I combine it with active listening and empathy with people, and I can truly have a beginner's mindset where I'm not going to sit down and try to solve If Emily, you are my client right now and you're telling me your finances, I'm not going to try to solve your finances right away. I want to know what drives you and what matters most to you. and What are you focused on? So that we can then utilize that to propel you to make the changes that you need to make. That is guiding someone. Mm -hmm. That is not telling them what to do. It is the best form of parenting 
it's the best form of having a relationship. <laughs> Have you ever tried to tell your wife to do something that yeah. she doesn't want to do? Right. <laughs> or just like, Hey, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Like, no, in that moment, they want to be heard. They want some empathy and they want to figure out what to do next. Right. It's the same thing that we need to do with clients. I love that. That's good stuff. Why do you think people like rarely think about the essential parts of life? We get wrapped up living in life. So a couple of reasons. One is 98% of the time we're running subconsciously, mm. right? We're not even thinking about what we're doing. And we just get into living our day to day and we get into routines and we don't necessarily step back and go, is this what I really want? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's the whole premise is, you know, in the work that we do with clients, one of the things that we do is I learned through the Kinder Institute of Life Planning, a methodology for walking clients through some planning on the front end. And one of the things we do is we ask them to answer three questions. And for a couple, so for you and your wife, you would answer them separately. And we'd come back and we would talk about each of your answers in depth. Mm. You know, we don't want one of you to be fulfilled. We want both of you to be fulfilled, right? Because if one of you is fulfilled and the other's not, that's not going to work out very well. No, right? not at all. The questions that we have clients answer are, you know, Emily, you wake up tomorrow morning, you check your bank accounts and you have enough to take care of your needs now and in the future. So if you want to ride around on your Harley for the rest of your life and never go to anything else, you can do it, right? Yeah. Like if that's what was given to you, what would you do? Mm-hmm. How would you live your life? Describe a life that's fully and richly yours. You and your wife answer that separately, right? The next question that you come to is you go to your doctor and sadly, they tell you that you have a terminal illness. And the good news is you have between five to 10 years to live. And the good news is you'll feel great for the time that remains, right? Could be five years, could be 10 years, could be any day in between, but you'll also have no notice of the final day. And you don't have unlimited resources. You have the time, money, energy, and talent that you possess right now. Hmm. And if that's what was given to you, what will you do in the time you have remaining? Would you change your life and how would you do it? All right, so let's just cut to it. And then the third question, you go to the same doctor and sadly, they tell you that time is up. There is no tomorrow. Today's the last day. Not about what are we going to do in our last day because we can think about really cool things, ways to say goodbye to people that we love. But it's when it hits you that time is up, ask yourself, what did I miss? Who did I not get to be? What did I not get to do? Some people will think that could mean regrets. It certainly could. But it can also mean untapped potential. I like that. Because like when you said could mean regrets, a lot of times we tend to be a little negative as people. Mm -hmm. So we will usually go to our regrets first. And then I think, you know, if you really think about it, well, what did I not like? What didn't I fulfill? Like, what could I have done more of? What could Mm -hmm. I become? You know, what type of legacy did I leave? You know, if that's the question that, you know. Right. Things that commonly show up there for people are family, spirituality, legacy, right? Mm place. So some people want to have a place. If they're in the country, they want to have a place in the city. If they're in the city, they have a place in the country, right? There's a number of things that can show up there. And the thing is, there's not a wrong answer, right? The question is, what matters to you? And how do we help you get that as quickly as you can? And really positioning yourself as the guide and not the hero. I think that is like, as you stated in the beginning, you're like, you know, you'll get all the book knowledge and understand, you know, the concepts and financial stuff. And then, you know, it's almost like you get the designation and you get the training and now you get that so you can be the hero. And then you realize that if you are the hero, then the client, you know, it's like, no, I just need to guide you and you need to be the hero and you need to be driving this. And everything that I'm doing is based around what you're saying and what you're asking me. And it's ultimately aligning your life and your money, right? 
That's exactly it, right? We can't, as much as I want to get clients to go do things, I can't force them to do anything, right? They have to choose to go do it. So if they're not going to go do it, that's up to them. But if we can know what matters most to them and we can know the steps that they should take to get those things done and we can put some energy and inspiration behind it, they'll go do it. So one of my mentors, he has a saying that is amazing because it comes back to system one and system two. We don't think ourselves into action. You are not going to go think yourself into the next thing you're going to do. You're going to feel yourself into action. And once you understand that that's how the physiology works, this makes a lot of sense. And the thing he says is that emotion equals energy in motion. Hmm. I like that. Say that again. Say it again so people can hear. It's Louis Volbrecht saying, but it's emotion equals energy in motion. I like it. Actually, you could go back to like caveman times and think about this for a second, right? You know, if there's a rustling over in the bushes and there's a saber-toothed tiger over there, you don't think to yourself, like, I'm going to go run now. Like, automatically, system one takes over, adrenaline gets pumped, your stomach tightens, your heart rate goes up, your vision gets keen, and your auditory system goes down, and you try to run faster than the guy next to you. Yeah. So you don't got to be the fastest person. You just got to be faster than the slowest guy, right? I mean... That's right. But, like, you didn't think about that. It just happened. That happens to us all the time. So what you're doing is... If you start utilizing and understanding how that works and you use that to your own advantage, you can get things done faster. So I did talk about it a little bit about the role of the advisor or investment relationships. Like, Give us what you think the role of that advisor should be. Now, I've kind of said a little bit about it, but I want you to give us the Scott Frank version of what you think that role should be. It kind of comes back to that painting I mentioned before. When a client comes in, the way I view it is we have a blank canvas and my job. So what you got at before is the idea of the hero that we used to be was like, hey, you come in. I know how to solve all your problems. I'll solve them. And you're telling me all this financial stuff and I'm just solving it in my head like ahead of time. I already Mm -hmm. know my answers. I know what I'm going to give you. It's kind of cookie cutter. Here it is. To me, the best role of an advisor is... We help you with a blank canvas first, help you map out what matters most to you. Once we know what matters most to you, then we go look at PJ Wallen, a friend of mine who was an XY advisor as well. He gave me the idea of the shape of a star for what we do with financial clients. I think of it as like the center of it is what's essential to them in their life, right? And once we know that, that's the lens that we look through for all the financial choices that they can make. Mm-hmm. And then our job as the guide is to go look at the point of the star are their investments. So their 401ks and their stock comp. And if they have investment real estate, we're going to look at all of that. And then kind of the arms of the star, we're going to look at all their insurances, right? So their health and their property and casualty and their life and disability. And then we're going to look at their estate plan and like, what happens if something happens to them? Make sure there's resilience, especially for young families, right? And then we go look at the legs of the star and you have kind of cash flow and balance sheet because cash flow drives everything. If you don't have good cash flow, People come in and say, I want to retire when I'm 55. And I go, how much do you spend? And they go, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you when you can retire then. (laughs) If you don't know what you spend, you can't save enough to retire. Like you have to know these things and figure this out, right? And then you can look at the trade-offs that you're making in cash flow between past, things you're committed to paying, present, living a week of life wherever you live now, and your future. You got to look at that. Your balance sheet, you look at how do you optimize your balance sheet? There's different reasons to have different things on your balance sheet, right? So whether you own a home, how much of a mortgage do you have? What type of accounts do you have? And then you go look at taxes and how do you get taxes and cash flow to work together? Mm-hmm. So like those are all the things that we should be doing for our clients. And the funny thing is when people come, they think like, 
you know, if I say to someone, I was surfing with a buddy of mine today, and he's like, so what exactly do you do? And I started explaining to him what we do. And it's like, in his mind, he thinks I'm like at a computer, like trading stocks. He's like, do you have to be in at nine to trade stocks? And I'm like, well, no, actually the market opens at 6.30 our time, but I don't trade stocks on a daily basis. That's not what I do. There's such a misconception of what we do from people. I always see, I've seen these little memes. It's always funny. It says, you know, what my mom thinks I do, what my friends think I do, what my wife thinks I do or spouse and, you know, what I actually do. And so it's just always interesting to hear because people always want to talk to, you know, I'm sure people always talk to me about what stocks they should pick and all this stuff. And the funny thing is that every time I've had someone come to me and ask me what stocks they should pick, which I don't give blanket advice. So I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, if you're looking for growth, I'll say then Google whatever type of funds you're looking for and then pick some, knock yourself out. I've never had anyone come back and say, hey, I picked those stocks. You know, I went to that. I did what you said yeah. to do. And then I went ahead and, and did that. I've never had that happen. And I've been financial services for a few years and I've never seen that happen. And so I think it's always just something that people like to talk about, but never do. And it's just kind of weird. But my opinion is they say it because they think it's what we want to hear. Or they go, oh, you're in money management. So you manage money. So tell me what the hot stock pick is. There isn't one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There are ones that are hot right now, but I don't know that I'd go buy them. But, <laughs> you know, like, like the thing is, at the end of the day, I think what this is getting at for everyone, everyone is after, you know, as George, who teaches the methodology that I use on the front end of planning, he would get at the fact that everyone is after some form of freedom. And it means different things to different people. And the key question is always like, what does it mean to you? And the thing that's okay is you're allowed to shift what it means to you over time, right? So like we are a young family right now with an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. So right now, one of the things is my wife would love, wants to be at home and she is. She wants to be a full-time mom. Mm -hmm. That could shift for her in the future and that's totally okay. It may not. That's also totally okay, right? It's like sometimes we come in and we think like we have to know the right answer now and it can't change. And that just puts too much pressure on people. Instead, if you just come in and say like, let's make our best guess now Mm -hmm. and let's Make sure that we meet together at least twice a year to review everything that's happening in your life so that we can make small little changes to tend to the garden, if you will, of your own life and your finances so that we don't let anything get out of whack. Well, that's choosing to make decisions with a planner. That's our job, in my opinion. The thing that you want to avoid, in my opinion, is drift, Mm -hmm. right? Like not paying attention to things for a long period of time. Then you come see me as a planner and now we have to make a bunch of corrections to get you back on your path. And it takes longer and you have to save more because you just lost time. And time is a huge benefit when you're doing things like investing. 100%. Like I think our most valuable asset, in my opinion, is time. You can't get it back. You know, that Mm -hmm. lost time, you're just not getting it back and there's no way to, to get it back. But if you can figure out what's important to you, it's easier, you know, starting there and not telling an advisor what you think they want to talk about. Because yes, the whole reason that you came here was to talk about you and figure out what's going on with you. So don't tell me what you think I want to hear about. Let's talk about what's important to you. And it's so funny to try to like, I've had so many clients try to, I don't want to say impress me, but try to talk to things that they think that I think is important. Yes. And I'm like, really, we're, we're just going to talk about you. And they're like, well, you know, and I think it's kind of, I don't know why, but sometimes people are really uncomfortable talking about what's important to them. And they want to try to continue to tell me what they think I think is important. It's not about me. And to me, there's a couple things happening there. One is virtually never do people get the opportunity to say everything that's important to them. 
It literally almost never happens, right? So what happens is normally the normal conversation is like, and this is what I used to do. People would come in to talk to me in an exploration meeting, like, hey, let's talk and see if we're a good fit. And you know, you'd be talking to me and like, you'd tell me the first two things about why you're here. And I'd be like, yep, absolutely. Let's make sure we address those. Anything else? And the third one, you'd talk about how you love riding your Harley across the Southwest. And I'd be like, oh man, when I was a kid, I had a Honda, a Kawasaki KE100 and I loved riding that thing. And so I didn't realize what I was doing in that moment. But what I just did there was I said, the first two things were okay. The third thing, I love talking about that. Now, I just made the meeting about me, not you. And hey, what else do you have to say? And, and you're just automatically in your subconscious, you go like, this guy doesn't care, mm-hmm. right? So part of it's establishing the trust and open relationship. But then the other thing is because it doesn't happen often, they're not used to it. They need the time and the space to do it. And for us as advisors, one of the things that I struggled with for a long time was learning how to pause and just give people space to be heard. That's so powerful, like the pause, the power of the pause. Like I think about that and I'm guilty just as much as, you know, I'm guilty of someone saying, don't mention a bike, then the whole conversation is going to change, right? I'm going to be excited. I'm just as guilty of that. But as a client or as a, you know, prospective client, you know, what would you say that are some of the things that to try to help them be able to get some of those thoughts out? Maybe a planner hasn't gone through the kinder, you know, through the life planning thing, but maybe what kind of questions or what kind of thoughts should they have prior to going to meet with that person to try to get themselves ready? Because I think that one, it's a big deal just to go talk to someone else about your personal finance. It's always kind of scary. So I could see why clients would, you know, or potential clients would want to have that conversation. And I could see why an advisor would want to steer the conversation that way, because, you know, I think we all are trying to prove that we are, you know, as smart as people think we are. Right. So this is like a long question, but on the client side, how would you say that they would be, you know, prepare for the meeting? And then, you know, on the follow-up question, how would the advisor try to pause more? Yeah. So the first thing is for the client, it kind of comes back to that expansive question I asked initially, right? Imagine that you do wake up tomorrow morning and you have more money in your bank account than you need, right? What would you do? How would you live your life? Allow yourself to put everything on there. Even the stuff that people told you you could never do. Mm -hmm. Put it there, right? Don't say no to yourself. Don't let other people should you out of it, right? Because we get shoulded by society and parents and brothers and sisters and (laughs) coworkers. Everyone will tell you what you can't do. Mm -hmm. Put down all the stuff that you want to do and then allow yourself to say it out loud. And then someone will give it back to you and you'll feel it. So the interesting thing about like when you have these conversations with people, when you think something or you write it down, you think it. But if I give you your own words back to you, you are going to feel them because your auditory system runs through your amygdala. Your amygdala is where feeling happens. So you will literally start to see what matters to you and what doesn't and what a gift that is to give people as an advisor. Hmm. That's the key there is to allow that to happen and see where people get you know, what makes Emlyn like get excited and what brings sorrow to Emlyn that is something that he wants to rectify, you know, and where's everything in between on that for you, right? So that you can start to figure those things out for yourself. That's the key for the client, for the advisor. Honestly, it's an untraining because for the advisor, we were trained to solve people's problem. And so we want to show up and just solve the problem as quickly as possible. But instead, what we need to do is we need to listen and we need to listen with empathy. And one of the best ways that we can do that is simply to hold space. And the best way to hold space is to say nothing. And we just let that pause go for a little while. I couldn't just jump in and say something after you said say nothing. So I just 
But the thing is, like, that pause wasn't even long, no, right? It was like, like three so seconds. And then you have to realize that, like, some people need time to process thought. So the thing that I think mentally for myself when a client comes in for a new conversation is I imagine that they have 10 treasures in their pocket. And I want to give them the space to put them out on the coffee table. And I'm not going to go for depth and talk about how excited I am that you love riding Harleys and let's talk about that. And yeah, we'll do that in the future. Right now, I just want to give you space to bring it out and put it out there. But I also know that there's probably two or three things that you rarely share with anyone. And so I want to give you the space to bring it out and feel comfortable putting it out there, right? Because the only way you're ever going to act on it is if you start to put it out. And then the interesting thing, when you do this with couples, like right now with COVID, we don't have people sitting on the couch. My office is set up like a living room. And what will happen is, is during those exploration meetings, you will have couples where one will turn to the other and say, I did not know that about you. I mean, what a great gift for them to know what a fulfilled life looks like to each other and for them to support each other on that path, right? That is powerful because I think that just being able to hear stuff from your spouse and not know something, I always say it in a funny way when we're talking about like college planning, come in and we're talking about college planning and that's right in, they come in and they're like, yeah, we want the kids to go to college. Awesome. Everybody wants the kids to go to college. Now, how are you going to pay for it? One is like, Yes, we're paying for 100%. The other one's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not. I had to pay work and go to school and they had to too. And then I look at them and I'm like, this is the first time you ever talked about that, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, we never talked about this before. And I think that the planner, quick with the right questions and not talking or right give, just not talking, yes. just asking questions and allowing clients to unpack things. That's my next thing. I want to get the registered life planner because every time I hear you talk about it and other people that I know that have it, and just reading George Kinder's stuff, every time I read something that he has, it just blows my mind at how much I don't know or how much I overspeak or how much I, you know what I mean? And, and if I'm really honest with myself, not only to myself, but to clients and potential clients to really learn how to communicate with them better. I feel the exact same way. So personally, the thing that I think is, and here's the thing about active listening and empathy is that I was horrible at it before I learned these techniques, these techniques are not helpful just for me and my advising, like my professional hat on. It has helped make me a better father. It has helped make me a better husband. It has helped make me a better friend Mm -hmm. because now I no longer just go tell people what to do, right? (laughs) I listen. (laughs) I have a framework to understand to help them help themselves, which is amazing. It is the ultimate form of friendship, parenting, mentorship, all of those things. So it pays off and radiates in ways that I wouldn't have known. And I'm grateful for George and all the work that he's done. I will be doing that. I definitely will be doing it. We got CFP next month. So we're going to knock that out and then get started on the next stuff probably in 2021. We got a few things. Yes. Yeah, I, I love to learn. So it's definitely something that, that's been on my mind for a while. So we're going to do that. That's amazing. Now, Scott, there's a podcast that you have that Talk to us a little bit about that because I like the format and, and it's something that we may adopt here at Minority Money. Yes, yes. I love working with clients, but I can only work with so many of them. And then the type of work that I truly enjoy doing best is pretty complex with like stock compensation and executive compensation. And, you know, there's like a whole lot going on in a whirlwind of things on a balance sheet for someone. And so it kind of put my minimum at a fee that I have to say, sadly, no to a lot of people too but I still want to help them because I want to give back and I want to help educate people. So I started a podcast about a year ago with another advisor 
and we called it Real Personal Finance. So it's on all the normal Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes and all that jazz. But all that we do is we answer one common financial question a week. That's the premise. So the premise is, what is a health savings account? <laughs> like, I think the most recent one was someone asked the question, what do I do if I'm maxing out my 401k? Where do I save tax efficiently next? So we go walk through that. We try to do episodes that are like 20 minutes-ish, right around there. But it's the two of us chatting about it. If we have different points of opinion, we will speak to that. But the goal of that is just to educate people, speak in plain English about finance so that people can empower themselves to make better choices. Now, how do they get the questions? Do they send email questions or do they do it? They can submit a question on the Real Personal Finance website. So it's realpersonalfinance.co. And they can either listen there directly or on their phones, but then they can also submit questions there. That is nice. You know what? That is something that I think the listeners would like, but we'll have to send something out to them and see what they think. I think there's some questions that people are they're asking, but they just not necessarily, maybe they're not working with an advisor. Maybe they have an advisor. They just want to know. And so being able to answer those real-time questions with real-time good answers is really awesome. So that is something that we would maybe adopt here. So we'll have to look into that. I think it's a good thing. Next, we're doing, so for September, we're going to focus on employee benefits because that's kind of the employee mm-hmm. benefit time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, hey guys, because there's this, if you work as a W-2 income earner, it's like you have all these amazing benefits. And the question is, do you utilize them? That's one of the things we always look at with new clients is like, there's almost always money on the table there if you just go optimize it. So we're going to speak to that and the things people can look at. I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's going to be in serious consideration because I think we can dedicate at least one show a month to that. But yeah, we'll kick that around and see what we're doing. Scott, as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we're changing the complexion of wealth. And so we want to know, like, you got all this stuff going on, great stuff, you're learning, but what inspires you to continue to grow and learn? I'm just propelled to learn. I know I'll never know everything, right? So, mm-hmm. so my goal is just to deepen what I know And honestly, to help others. That's why I do the podcast. That's why I have the business that I have. But I only help others by learning more, right? But learning more humbly. Like I'm never going to think I know everything. I won't ever know everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to know. There's a lot to know. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? I do in the fact that like, I think there's a basic amount of information you need to know. And I think podcasts like yours and mine, where we start helping educate people on the things they need to know definitely help. But, and it's a big but, execution is always greater than knowledge. Hmm. So like, absolutely, everybody knows how to get in shape, but not everyone gets in shape. Honestly, the majority of Americans aren't in shape. If we want to call a spade a spade, at least where I grew up back in the Midwest, like every time I go back, I'm like, you know, we're not in shape. But so it's like, it always comes down to like knowing what to do and doing it. The doing it is far greater than knowing what to do, right? Like there was an advisor who's pretty well known in our space, Peter Malouk, had a thing on, on Twitter the other day. And I fully agree with it. It was basically like start saving it and automate it. It doesn't matter how much you save. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're doing it puts you ahead of 99% of the population, right? Because you can start by saving $5 a week and you can increase that automation in the future. But if instead you say like, I can only save $5 a week, I'm not going to do that. That's nothing. Then you'll always have nothing. 100%. Jim Quick always says that he says knowledge is not power. He says applied knowledge is power. Absolutely. I always love that saying. So that's exactly what what you're saying there. So 
I've been asking this question a lot more on this season of the show. How has your family supported you on this journey? Oh, it wouldn't be possible. So my wife, when we started this business, Stone Steps, she was still working full-time, salaried, right? Our health insurance was through her company. She was supporting the family while we started because it started this business from scratch. So this was not bringing home much of anything for quite a while. It would not have been possible without my family. And I'm forever grateful that she gave me the opportunity to pursue this dream. We were in the exact same situation. So yeah, I, I get you and I totally understand. Shout out to the spouses that help these entrepreneurs get their dreams going and stand and stick with them or there with us like through all this. Like there's some dark days in entrepreneurship and, and to have a supportive spouse is always good. So shout out to all the spouses out there supporting. Yeah, I love that. If you could offer a piece of advice for our listeners, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> Act. <laughs> <laughs> it's the applied knowledge, right? Like stop thinking about it, start doing it. Because the sooner you start doing it, the sooner you make a better life for yourself. That's it. Like add anything to that. I, I act now. If I can, I'll make a go slight ahead, little go tweak. Go, go ahead. Micro action. Mm. Stop thinking it has to be this big thing, right? And think about one thing that you can do to improve your life. So if it's financial, it's like, what's one thing you can do to make this better for you? Do it. I like that. I like And that. build on it. Yes. I like that you said even micro action. What is the one thing? I, I was reading, you know, there's a book out called The One Thing. And after I read it, I was like, what is one thing that can move? Okay. So if we're trying to get things together financially, what's the one thing? If you're trying to improve things in your relationship, what's the one thing? If you're trying to become a better parent, what's the one thing that's going to move the needle on everything else? And yes, you're absolutely right. So thank you for that, Scott. And man, I appreciate you coming on. Like really like having you on has been, well, one, just good to see you again because it's been a while since we can't, you know, COVID has had everything messed up. And I was looking forward to seeing you in the next couple of months when we were going to meet at XY again, but that's off. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, sharing your wisdom with our clients and the humility that you have when you do it. Because some of the designations that you have alone are just, you know, you're a pretty sharp guy. We know that. But the humility that you conduct yourself with is always admirable. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate your friendship. The feeling's mutual, my friend. And I can't wait until we can have those have some cocktails again in the future, in person. Yes, we need to do that <laughs> as soon as possible. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks but I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time, 